guys. It's your host, your boy, George Mackay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call, 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram, Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay, buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. What's going on, guys? Your boy, your host, George McKay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded as always. And I got a special one with me today. I mean, some of you may know him as TJP. Some of you may know him as Mega TJP. Some of you may know him as the inaugural Cruiserweight Champion. Some of you may know him as an X Division Champion, but now a current Impact Wrestling Superstar. Please help me welcome TJ Perkins to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, George. Oh, dude, it's an honor. Like I said, just before we push record, it's an absolute honor. I followed you for a long time. I've been a huge fan. Uh, you're younger than me um by only about like six months but still see how, <laughs> how how quick your star has shone it's incredible man it really really is i think you are an absolute talent and that's not kissing your ass that's just being 100 percent truthful oh well thank you I've, i appreciate that very much thank you for watching <laughs> without without everybody else there's no me so i appreciate that and without you agreeing to do my show there's no me so thank you <laughs> <laughs> hey man it's all about paying it forward you know Absolutely. So, TJ, one of the first questions I always ask, kind of my standard go-to, is I'm always intrigued about the moment where everybody fell in love with wrestling. I mean, I remember my moment so vividly. Uh, do you remember the moment in time when you remember falling in love with this business we're going to be talking about today? You know, it's weird. Um, like, it, it, I, JR used this analogy for, I think, Brett and Sean, and uh, and I don't mean to draw like this type of comparison into the analogy he used but it's like it's kind of fitting in in terms of like answering this question as far as like a single memory because a lot of people have that they had that one moment and um and jr said about them uh that it's it's like beethoven and like a piano like like there's some people that have to learn to do something they can learn to be great but then like beethoven mozart you put them in front of their instrument and it just makes sense and so to me, like wrestling has always been that for me. Like I just always, I don't remember where the love came from. I mean, my earliest memories from when I was, I don't know, two years old, like a baby. Like I, I remember the WWF show opening, like the Saturday night's main event era, like the logo flying over the water. It had that like steel kind of metal gradient type logo. Um, you know, and I, I, ever since then, it, it's been... I would say the primary thing that I've ever loved, but I mean, it's really the only thing I've ever loved. And in a weird way, I kind of feel like wrestling chose me, you know, cause I didn't have like a dad that did it or nothing like that. And um, I don't have like this moment when I was a teenager where it's like, Oh, I saw, you know, Jeff Hardy win a world title or something like that. And, like, I don't have that. I just, it just always felt fitting. I just, from being a toddler, I just always knew someday I would be in a ring. 
and you are, and you're absolutely <laughs> incredible when you are in the ring, man. That's, that's, that's crazy. You know what? I, I love that. I mean, it's a genuine, honest thought. It's a, it's an honest, real moment. And it's the fact that literally you you can remember it from being a kid that you just wanted to step in a ring and jump on the top ropes and do a moonsault or whatever move you chose at the time to get a crowd hyped up. And that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, everything, as a kid, I just, I put everything down. Like, you know, you give me a fire truck, I'll play with it and I'll put it down and like you know, stuff like that. But one thing I, I, I would, could never put down was wrestling. And in, everything I would put down, it was so I could gravitate back towards wrestling. <laughs> I wanted to watch it, be around it, play with the toy, you know, like it just, everything has always been 24 seven, eat, sleep, breathe wrestling and still is. Well, I know for you, 100%, it's been since you were 13. I mean, I know you started training when you were 13. That's crazy because I don't know how it, I don't know what the restrictions are over there, but at least I know here where I'm, where I live in Canada, restrictions are, I think, I think you got to be 17 or 18 before you can officially step into a ring. So right. thir 13 over there. And I know that for a while, when you first started competing, you wore the Lucha mask because a lot of people thought you still had that baby face, which much yeah, like me, yeah. if I shave off this goatee, I look like I'm 14 years old. <laughs> I can't get away from the baby face. The hairline's faded a bit because my daughter stressed me out a lot. But um, <laughs> if I shave the goatee, I, I my wife looks like she's a cradle robber. It, it's bad. I have to keep it there all the time. But training at 13, I mean, you're going in a ring, you're working, you're taking bumps and stuff like that. Like, talk to me about that. I mean, at 13, you're not even really fully developed. Your body's actually just starting yeah. to develop and become what it will be depending on the work you put into it. I mean, at 13, taking bumps you know, learning drills, all that kind of stuff that had to have been a very, very heavy adjustment right from the get go. Yeah, I mean, and I, I feel like I'm a late bloomer, physically speaking, too, you know, I mean, case in point, I'm, I'm 35. And, you know, I probably now look and appear and perform like I'm 25, maybe younger. Um, I mean, for years, I, I felt like I was undersized and um a good athlete but like you know th there's a difference especially if you're a sports guy like and I was an athlete growing up I played all sports my dad was an athlete when he was younger so he his dream was for me to always go to college and play sports so if you're an athlete like like by nature you know what like a real athlete is like and I like they have I've never had that engine, you know, at least not until like now, like in my later years, I'm starting to like finally have like the engine of a man, you know, but um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, when I first started at 13, the reason I started so young was because I, I figured I would wrestle amateur in high school and that that would be my gateway to becoming a pro wrestler. At the time, this was, you know, for context, this was 1998. So like the internet really wasn't a big thing yet social media didn't exist. So it wasn't really easy to get information on how to get started. And wrestling training gyms and training schools weren't as like transparent as they are now, you know, like things like kayfabe and all sort of like that. Like it wasn't really like the whole uh, Vince McMahon, this is entertainment speech hadn't happened yet, you know? So like it was, the business was very archaic still. So it was really hard to find how to just simply learn how to be a wrestler, you know? Um, so I just pieced together from interviews and things you would see in like PWI magazine and stuff like that. Like, Oh, okay. Ric Flair, these guys that they all did amateur wrestling when they were younger or they played football. So I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta wrestle amateur if I gonna, if I'm going to figure this out. Well, um, I, the summer before my freshman year of high school, uh, I went in, asked about the amateur team and my school didn't have one. So 
I started looking up all the advertisements for wrestling gyms around the country through like PWI magazine and stuff like that. Those old black and white clippings where you could send actual mail, like not even like email or anything like you had to send like a, I had to write letters to these people, put a stamp on it. So like, I mean, there was like Dean Malenko school in Florida. Sean school hadn't opened yet. So I was one of the guys that like emailed for more or mailed for more information when he was going to open his school. Um, coming up because he had just retired um and uh you know there was like schools in ohio new jersey and places like that but i mean as a 13 year old kid i can't relocate and do all that so and you had to be 18 or 21 at the time like it was even stricter then because there it was they didn't want any trouble with like you know the way it is now it can be a lot more structured i think and now like with more regulation they can like have kids classes or beginners classes and stuff like that they didn't have that back then you if you entered you were thrown right into the fire with grown men so they wanted people that were like college age so it was hard for me to find a place but um you know luckily being in los angeles there's a lot of like authentic lucha libre culture here and there's a lot of lucha libre gyms that you kind of have to find through word of mouth because they're little hole in the wall places kind of like um (laughs) kind of like Apollo Creed's gym in Rocky, you know, like when he takes Rocky there and he's like, this is how you really train. You know, this is like the, this is the real dirt, the dirt, you know, this is where you get, get gritty. Um, They were like that. So like one of them was legitimately a mechanics garage. Like that's how they were. So, um, you know, I fell into that because there was an older kid in, in school when I, when I was in summer school and high school and he, had been in wrestling training so he told me where he went and then through them I learned of all the other gyms and I went to every single one of them I couldn't get enough of it and actually I do have the first mask I wore because when I was trying to wrestle at first I didn't plan on wearing a mask but they said you're so young we can't put you in in uh in the ring and so they just would give me uh other people's masks from like merchandise, like the, like the concessions. And so this clown mask here, super Mineco, that was my first mask. They just said, Hey, just for tonight, you're going to have to wear this guy's mask. And I went out and people made fun of me because it's not my mask. You know, as you could imagine, it'd be like, if you wore Ray Mysterio's mask out, like that sort of thing. Um, but that's what I would have to do is just wear like masks from concessions, um, in order to get in the ring so that people didn't know how young I was. Um, and uh yeah that's that's what it was like and it's funny because my dad had taken me to all these prep meetings for ncaa bound athletes like uh you know if you're gonna go into like varsity sports and um we would be in these meetings and these kids god these kids that i would end up playing on the teams with them because i was good enough at the sports but like not good enough to be recruited and i was in these meetings with these kids who were like six seven and they're on the basketball team with me and like i played point guard and like shooting guard and stuff like that and i was okay but like um but i wasn't the level of athlete that they were so they i no scout was going to come look at me and i i just found it funny that before the end of that year i was already like put into a professional like athletic atmosphere with grown men but in an NCAA meeting, I didn't look like I belonged. So it was kind of a weird situation for me. It's kind of one of those oxymoron situations where you're, you don't feel like you fit in one place, but you actually don't fit it in the place where you're supposed to be fitting in. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But that's all. Thank you so much for showing me the mask. That's a, that's incredible piece of wrestling history there for sure. But one of the things that I want to talk about is um, when the cruiserweight tournament happened, I was a big fan. 
Uh, big fan of cruiserweights from the WCW era, like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, all those cats, uh, Billy yeah. Kidman, everything those guys were doing over there was what was made WCW very entertaining as it slowly declined down into nothingness. Um, right. But I got to say, the cruiserweight tournament, one of my favorite matches with you was round two. You and Johnny Gargano, another one of my all-time favorite cruiserweights, uh, yourself included in that bracket. That match was incredible. And Gargano is one of those dudes that does not go down easy. You literally have to throw everything at him plus the kitchen sink. And I don't know if you remember that match, but, man, that match, you guys literally took each other to the limits. I don't know how you both walked out of there because you should have been on stretchers. I had to ruin his tag team to beat him. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I, um, it's funny because a lot of guys will ask me about the CWC and memories of it or like what my favorite moments were. Um, and they always lead me towards like the semifinals and finals with, especially with Ibushi uh, and, and, you know, Metallic as well. But I, I feel like Gargano might've been my favorite match. I really, really liked that one. I think that was round two. And every it just felt – I felt more on in that match than almost any match I've ever had. Like, my, like I, I felt every decision. I felt every tempo change. Um, it's – like, I used an analogy recently uh, on social media about being, being like a quarterback in the ring, which is to say, like, being a ring general. And that was one of the – few matches ever where I really felt like like I could close my eyes it was like using the force like I it felt like I like I was one with every decision like everything that it felt right and I I love that match so much and Gargano is so amazingly talented we're very similar in the stuff that we like to do in the ring and um he's always been a wonderful opponent for me um, you know, we, we've had a couple matches in other places and, and he's incredible. I, I love watching him work. Um, and it was an honor to be with him in that, in the ring that night for sure. Um, so, you know, that, that was probably one of my favorite ones for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely is one of the ones I remember the most. I mean, of course, obviously the finals and I got to ask because I mean, it's very rare you get to talk to an inaugural champion being the first to hold that cruiserweight title and hold down that division when it's just developing, when we just, I think 205 hadn't even really started yet at that time. Yeah. It was just kind of getting the ball rolling. When you've got literally the weight of a division on your shoulders and you're being told, okay, you're the guy, this is it. Here's the belt, kid, run with it. What was going through your head? We're talking tons of pressure. Um, you know, I never really, <laughs> I remember thinking I really don't want to be a leader because um, <laughs> I've never really been, a leader uh, that much and I like I had really kind of gotten to a point I think at that time in my career where it was really time for me to start actively being one and I had been around so long already that I had naturally been in positions where I would lead people or teach people or something like that and it's always been that way ever since day one because even from day one like I had a high aptitude for this so the way I carried myself people kind of felt like they should follow me or listen to me but it's like i don't know any better than you at that time, you know, and that was a trend that extended for all 22 years I've done this. But at that point, you know, I was almost 20 years in and, and in the middle of the tournament when they approached me about, you know, hey, we, you're a guy we really would like to hang on to long term, at least for a few years. They first asked me if I wanted to be a coach and a producer for the company. 
because the value was more up here than it was anywhere else, you know. Um, at least I think in their eyes, they, they thought this was the most valuable thing from me. Um, I told them, I, I'll, I'll retire right now if you want. <laughs> I don't mind. I'll, I'll do that. That's fine. Because um, I've, always, I've always really enjoyed helping other people and, and being that, that sort of uh, role. But um, yeah, after the tournament was wrapped and it was over and, uh, and I came out in that position, it was, um, I don't know, it was, it was weird. Like, I never really... You spend so long being the youngest guy in the room that when the day comes where they're like, you kind of have to be this guy now. And they, they literally did pull me aside at one point, myself and Brian Kendrick too. And they said, listen, these guys are all young guys. A lot of them had never had a wrestling job before, you know? So they're like, You're, you guys are the only two that really have this sort of experience. And we're looking at you guys to kind of lead these guys. And so we felt like it was up to us. Um, and it, it's kind of intimidating. You know, you have those tools, but it's a lot to be asked of you, you know. But I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what the guys have done now. Like, and people ask if, like, I miss it or, like, um, you know, and they ask that in various ways. And the, the honest answer is no, because I know it's in good hands. Like everybody that's come after me in that position has done such an incredible job, each guy better than the last. And, and like, I couldn't, couldn't have asked to, for anything more than to have been part of that and to kind of lead the way through the door. Absolutely. But you know what, I think that after, uh, after the injury that happened and when you lost title and the injury happened and you had to recoup and you came back and there was, they really weren't, unfortunately, this is what's it's a head scratcher for me with WWE creative. When I see a guy on TV that I know can be moved and, and taken in so many different directions, but it's always kind of this straight line. They don't try to uh, swing yeah. them left or swing them right to try to figure out where it works. It's like, no, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Welcome back. Glad you're healthy. Uh, here's what I think. And it's like, okay. I'll do it because that's my job. And I'm so happy that your contract, you know, didn't get renewed. I'm happy that you were able to get back to your, you know, old, and that's not a shot. That, that's because I, I feel like there's so much more potential for you. And I feel like the WWE machine, as great as it is, I mean, definitely from a fan's perspective, and if you listen to any of my old episodes, I've got a lot to say about Vince McMahon and my opinions on what he does with his product. But um, being the one product that made me fall in love with the business, I will always ha would always have a special place in my heart. But now the world is different. The world of wrestling, even though COVID, we're starting to see, you know, wrestling companies open up, the indie world is opening up again, Impact and WWE and AEW will all have, you know, fans in the stands again very soon, safety protocols obviously all in place. But in terms of that, leaving, moving on, going to the indie scene and then going back to impact where you were a former X division champion, putting your stamp in there, but also working with new Japan pro and having your indie, you know, dates wide open. Cause that's what I love about impact is that you don't have to, if you're contractually obligated, you don't have to forget about the indies. You can always go home every now and again when you want to. So what was that the easiest decision for you to make the segue into impact or were there other places that you were looking at to call your new home? Um, I mean, I was looking at every place before I left WWE. I mean, a year before I left, I had kind of made my mind up that I really wanted to get back to Japan and Mexico. I really wanted to do that before I got into WWE. WWE kind of felt like a three-year detour from that. Because um, when I was in Impact before, I was there for three, four years maybe. And then when I got out, this was 2015, I was really looking forward to kind of getting back to going to New Japan or going back to Mexico. And, you know, I, I did some selective 
um, you know, shows in Mexico and, and a few things. Then I, it just like kind of by happenstance and accident, I got, <laughs> I got sidetracked doing matches for Evolve. And then WWE was like, Hey, we really want you to be part of this thing. And I tried to, I said, no, initially when they first offered me a contract, this was after, this was right after the Gargano match. I remember I had a busted eye from that turnbuckle move that he does. And we're all sitting in the theater in full sale and they asked all of us all 32 of us or whatever well i guess not gargano and um champa or swan but like everybody else who wasn't under contract we all sat in there and they called us up to different stages it was like three or four different stations at the front of the theater in full sale they called us up one by one and made contract offers and i was one of the few that turned it down at first i said i don't know i got to think about this um i mean turn it down outright but i kind of said you know i really want to go back to mexico and japan i don't know if i'm your cup of tea i don't know if i want to be here necessarily um i know that this is a really important tournament and important uh moment in history and i'm, I'm honored to be part of it but going forward I, I don't know if i'm the best fit for you you know you guys may not want me and there's stuff that i really want to do and i really wanted to do lucha underground at the time I always thought that was an amazing concept and I, it was something I wanted to be part of. And it was really regal that kind of pulled me aside and was like, look, you're at an age where you really should settle down and lay some roots somewhere. And, um, and you know, you can do really well here. We, they think really highly of you. They want to do a lot with you here. And obviously they did. And I, I'm very grateful for that. But, um, you know, once I got, you know, a few years went by, I, I made up my mind that I really wanted to go back to Japan. So when I left, um, I knew I was going to go back to New Japan and I was, the, the phone line was open to everybody else, uh, but impact was an easy decision because of many reasons. One, like they knew right away what they wanted to be able to do with me. And I like that, you know, because, you know, th there's a lot of mutual respect there in that way when that's the case. Um, so you're not flying blind, you know, they, they expressed immediately, this is what we would like to do. And they expressed immediately, we would like you to be able to maintain a lot of your freedom. So then that was a big key point for me, too, because I said, listen, I'm going to go back to Japan whether you guys like it or not. So you guys got to be OK with that. And they were fine with it. And, um, um, you know, so all things considered, it, it just it came up first. And it was and it's, you know, it is one of the first places that took a gamble on me when I was younger. New Japan being the first, um, CMLL uh, being the second. Uh, but TNA, I mean, they had me on pay-per-views and stuff like that when I was 19 years old. I mean, they, they gave a, a, a really young kid a national, you know, global spotlight when I was a teenager. And like, I've always loved being part of that locker room. The camaraderie there is amazing. And right now, I think that's the best roster they've probably ever had. As far as talent, it's so evenly balanced. Everybody gets along. There's no hierarchy. Uh, guys that open the show one day could close the show next day and vice versa. The women's division is strong. The tag division is strong. Singles division is strong. X division is strong. Um, you can't ask for more than that. So no brainer. It's such an easy decision. Well, there's also a lot of fellow Canadians like myself on the roster, which is, you know, I'm, I'm pro Canada. Josh Alexander, <laughs> Ethan Page. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's so many great Canadians on there, but also great Americans like yourself, not shying away well, from hey, America. You, you, you're, you're preaching to the converted pal. I, I lived in Caledon for a winter. So nice. I, I, uh, I spent a lot of time wrestling in that uh, part of the, uh, part of the continent. And uh, I, I, and uh, speaking of the Canadian talent, I think they're incredible. Like, you know, Page, Alexander, especially incredible talent. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, 100% agree with you. And I was so excited actually watching Empaths this past Tuesday. You made your return, and you teamed up with the new X Division champion, Chris Bray, which was a great match. But I got to say, I don't like you guys as a tag team. I want this. I want, <laughs> I want to see TJP and Chris Bray go at it, you know, with that title on the line. That X Division is so stacked right now. You would fit in perfectly there, not to say that you wouldn't be a heavyweight contender because Impact, one thing I love about Impact is that they don't settle for the same. They don't sit there and say, okay, this is what's going to be. Just like I thought for sure Ethan Page and Josh Alexander were going to break out and be the tag team of like the decade. They were going to hold that belt for, you know, five, 600 days. What happened? Motor <laughs> City Machine came in. They took the belts away. And I love that. I love the shock and awe that they give to the fans. I love the surprises. And I think, you and Chris Bray going at it for that, that X Division title, shut up and take my money. I will renew, <laughs> I will renew access right away. That, that's, that's a lockdown drag out. That's, obviously, it's a pay-per-view fight for sure. But, man, I can't wait for when it happens. Because, I, I mean, wrestling storylines, even though they're different, they're all kind of built the same. Oh, welcome back. Oh, here, let's team you up with this guy. Oh, look how well you two move together. Cool. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Somebody said something stupid. Okay, now I'm going to bitch smack you. Okay, now we're going to fight. And I, I just want to get to the fight. That's what I want to get to. <laughs> I'm sure it's on the horizon, you know, picking up that, that win this last week. Uh, I think kind of reopened up the administration's eye. Like, they, I think that's the position they've, they've really wanted me to be in. But coming back in... I was very adamant. I wanted to be with Fala. I wanted to do something to represent my heritage, my community, and to do something a little different. I wanted to be part of a team, and I wanted to 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 kind of um, you know bring up not, not just him as my partner, but I think the division was very young too. You know, the the Canadian team with with uh, Paige and Alexander. I mean, they were leading the division, but you know they're younger guys on the roster, and they're they're newer guys at this level, and they're excellent. Everybody in the division for the tag team specifically were very younger, like a lot of younger performers. And I felt like I really wanted to contribute and be part of that division and see what we can do there. But I know that management has always really, want, I think, wanted me to like move up on, on my own a little bit and, different, and play different roles. But that was something that was kind of important to me. And I think I sort of reminded them what they wanted in the first place after this last week. So I'm sure that that's on the horizon, more exhibition stuff and, and, um, and probably more like world title stuff too. I might have my name in that ring as well. Oh man. I mean, I'm just picturing it all in my head. I mean, I could see you going at it for the heavyweight title with Eddie Edwards. I mean, I could see you being a fixture in the, in the tag team division for sure. I mean, I, I would love, I would love to see you kick it old school with some of the old cats, Tommy dreamer. I've had him on the show fantastic human being when he came out at slammiversary with the moose sucks eggs shirt i bought that because moose absolutely 150 percent sucks eggs he actually sucks <laughs> something else besides eggs. but i'm trying to keep a pp right now and if he's watching come at me let's let's talk let's have a talk i'll tell you to your face over zoom a thousand miles apart from each other that you suck but um i love it I you love know it. what man like there's just so many percolates where like i could see you going at any of the members of the rascals uh, Ace Austin, I mean, I know you've had matches with Ace before, but I, I think, you know, with the rejuvenation, and, I mean, welcoming everybody oh, yeah. I mean, back. He's, he's on another level now, too. Yeah, I mean, he's, I knew, I knew the first time I got in the ring with him that he was on a fast track and he's going to be special, and, and he is absolutely not 
like let me down internally in that regard because I think he's excellent. He's doing such an incredible job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that all these are, are definitely matches I think would be interesting. They're all guys that some of them I've been in with before and I know that we could manufacture some magic, uh, but I mean, all of it is, is stuff I want to do. And I think now is probably about the time that, that we're going to start like firing off all those names um, as far as I go, because they get a taste of it every now and then. Like, you know, me and Vikingo, for example, me and Josh Alexander had a singles, me and Elgin had a few singles matches. And every time those would come up, me and Daga, they, they would kind of get a taste of what they wanted me to be like outside of a team atmosphere. But now I, I feel like those will start coming like in mass. So we'll see. Oh, wow. Absolutely, man. And like I said, the roster, especially after anniversary, welcoming the Good Brothers, welcoming Eric Young back in the fold, EC3 returning. I mean, these are guys that in the WWE machine, you wouldn't have been able to get your hands on. But now, here in Impact, and that's what I love, there is no weight classes. Impact's all about heart. And it's not the same promotion that it once was. Yes, Dixie Carter, we all know the history there, Jeff Jarrett, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, whatever. But now, it's different. It's fresh it's revitalized and having a cat like you in the mix with all these other guys, just being a wrestling fan, shit, the ideas are rolling in my head. It's wide open. It's a wide open field. And that's why, that's again, what I love about it. That's why it was such a no brainer for me to go back there because I mean, you can't find a, a more fun atmosphere than that. Absolutely not. And how fresh and different they are leading the way. And now we're starting to see what they've done and elsewhere, like putting the, the world heavyweight title, on Tessa Blanchard. Now she's no longer with the company, and I'm not going to get into the negativity of that. But that was a huge jeep leap oh, yeah. forward for women's wrestling. And yeah. now you start to see other promotions, not mentioning Charlotte Flair. That'll be enough to mention. They're trying to kind of maybe work that there's that storyline that's starting to percolate a little. People are having ideas about that. Could she helmet? Maybe she can. Maybe she can't. I think Tessa did a great job as a champion for the time that she was. Unfortunately, things happened behind the scenes. And again, you hear so many different stories. The great thing about the internet and social media is now you can find all the things you couldn't find when you were younger. You can find wrestling schools. You can find all this other stuff. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are great tools when used correctly. When used for jackasses to bully people on the internet, it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. But uh, the internet also has a lot of unfactual crap out there. So when you weed through all the bullshit, you can figure out the meat and potatoes of the story. And whatever it is, I'm just going to say creative differences. But impact is changing the way fans look at wrestling. And I think out of everybody that's doing it, I think they have been the strongest during this whole COVID-19 period. I really think they have shined, and AEW definitely is a strong second. I mean, for a while there, when you left, and you went back to the indies, and then AEW reemerged, or AEW emerged for the first time, I was thinking, man, right. I think TJP could fit in there perfectly. But you know what? Impact is a perfect fit for you as well. And seeing all these guys out there, like I said, I would renew my accent. If I had to renew every, if I didn't have to renew every month, I would renew consistently every day because it's that the product <laughs> that damn good. And that's a kudos to you and the talent that you have. So one thing I got to ask, because we've talked about all these, these one-offs, there's a match in my head that I see, and I would like to see if you agree with me on that. I'm a big fan of the small guy versus the big guy. Little guy versus the giant. I'm a big fan of that. Even when I play my NBA 2K, I play point guard. I always go at the center because I love to watch those big dudes fall to the ground. But in terms of this potential for me would be one match I want to see right away. And if anybody from Impact's paying attention, please book this match. You versus Madman Fulton. 
because I think it would set up a great storyline with Ace Austin. And I think there's a segue that could get right into the thick of things with Ace Austin. But I think you'd have to run through Madman Fulton, who I've also had the pleasure of having on the show. That guy is one of the nicest dudes in the world, but he can literally crack your skull and smile while doing it. <laughs> he's, a, he's actually, he's, in my opinion, a very overlooked uh, performer for, for that role. Like it, being a big guy and being a mon- like one of the, you know, being in the category of a, a monster in the ring, like uh, people don't realize how good he is. And um, it's funny you mentioned one of my first matches in WWE after the Cruiserweight tournament, uh, Kota Ibushi and I tagged in the Dusty Classic right after the tournament was over. Um, and one of our first matches that we had was with Eric Young's group. And Madman Fulton was one of the other guys on the team. So we have one match where we've squared off in a tag setting. So uh, uh, I know what we're capable of doing. And I would love to be able to have a singles match and and be able to see what we can do because like he's 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 really incredible i wish more people like have seen his work before now but like he's blown up now and i like i really like what he's doing so i'm sure that uh that people will know soon enough but yeah that's a match i would really really love to be able to do and see now now you could now you can call scott when you get off the phone and say listen george from straight talk he can book some shit we should we, get yeah, we gotta, we gotta do this. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, just the talent level that's at impact now, I think it's the best roster, the strongest roster it's ever been. And to classify yourself as a part of that, that's a huge factor. So one question I want to ask for sure is, um, as like I said earlier, the wrestling world is opening up. COVID is starting to subside a little bit. We're nowhere near out of the woods, but we're getting back to a new sense of normal. When you're out and about, please wear your mask. Be respectful to other people. Try to social distance as often as you can, other than your family and your loved ones. But uh, what are the next steps for TJP? Now that you're you know, back on Impact TV, we're seeing you on a hopeful regular basis. What's the next step for you during this COVID process? Because I want to say the rest of 2020 is probably going to be like this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the first half of 2021 might be pretty similar, too. Um, but I, I think the next step is probably the same as it would have been even without like the COVID situation anyway. Last year, after leaving WWE, and I wasn't sure that it would work out this way, but it ended up working out this way. Um, I had 90, somewhere around 90 dates from May till December. So like, I had a pretty full schedule and I was going everywhere. I mean, Australia, England, Canada, a couple times, um, all over the United States, um, 90 events in, in, uh, like a six month span and, uh, and then impact in new Japan on top of that. Um, and, uh, going into this year after last year, what I really wanted to be able to do is kind of, um, simplify a little bit and, uh, kind of lay down some roots which is what Regal told me to do years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that you listen this many this, this yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh you know kind of settling into to uh you know uh, some of the bigger companies and and um 
be more invested in in their future as much as they'd be invested in mine because like there's been interest in it but i in a lot of cases like last year i wasn't really an everyday player for impact you know i was gone a lot of the time and i told them you're gonna have to be you're gonna have to accept that for me because there's a lot of stuff i want to do on a personal level so there's a lot of places i want to go and or i wanted to go and, and work uh now um I feel like it's. It, it, I'm looking forward to kind of really diving in and being an everyday player for for a more important team. And so, you know, Impact's a place that I want to be, and I'd like to stay. New Japan obviously is a place that I want to be, and I'd like to stay. And both places uh, feel the same about me. So, you know, it's really a no-brainer for me to kind of, you know, be the D, sort of sort of do the Deion Sanders thing and play for these two teams and uh, split my time, but kind of narrow it down a little bit. So you know, having a slower indie schedule, whether it's by COVID or just by choice, uh, that probably would have been inevitable for me because I wanted to kind of invest myself more full-time into those rosters, given, you know, all the names you mentioned, because they're so talented. I, I, it's, it's both an honor and a privilege to be able to work with these guys, and, and it's not going to be like this forever. So, you know, I wanted to sort of take stock of, like, you know, now I'm finally in my wrestling prime, and this isn't going to last forever. You know, the next three to five years are going to be the most important years for me as a performer. So I wanted to make sure to use it wisely and, and, and use it like in a more valuable way. And that's, that's what I would like to do because I, I don't think that there's a better time for impact than right now. And new Japan is always going to be a home to me. And I, I think that, you know, it'll always be a good time to be there. So I think being able to split my time between those two, making that primary for me is, is really my goal. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I'm glad to see you put roots down. I want to see you put roots down. I want to yell and scream at you at the TV like you're listening to me when you don't, <laughs> don't do something that I agree with. A couple times I have looked at the TV and been like, you're better than that. That's fucking <laughs> Just took the lazy way out. And now I can, now I can say I've said it to your face. So there'll be some times when you're on TV and you're going to feel that voice in the back of your head. That's going to be me yeah, saying, that's, that's, that's you yeah. reaching out. <laughs> I have to ask. I got I to gotta be – it's burning a hole in my pocket because it's there. It's right behind you. Are we yeah. – there's so many layers to TJP. It's not just TJP. Every character nowadays got a little bit of a, a dark side, an incantation, if you will. Manic. Yeah. We saw Manic in the retro show. It happened. Yeah. And it was great. Is there a potential that we could see Manic again? You know, I um, originally, I mean, suicide came up for me as sort of an accident. Um, I guess an accident by design, but an accident nonetheless. They they were planning on doing suicide anyway, I think as a one-off. And I had just come back to the company. And this was, you know, six, seven years ago, whenever it was. And I was Puma at the time. And I was sitting at home because they didn't creatively know where they wanted me to get started at. And I saw the bumpers, suicide's coming soon, suicide is returning, suicide's coming next week. And I called and I said, I don't know if you guys know what you want to do with suicide, but I would like to do suicide. And they only wanted to do one night. And that was fine with me. You know, we think it was Tampa we were at. And uh, I did suicide. And when I was done, they said, you know, this is the way we imagined this character would be all along. And one match led to two and then two matches led to two years and the two years led to a third year. And before I knew it, I was manic and I had this entire like, you know, self engraved folklore character that was built and became me. 
And I had always wanted Manic to sort of be like my great Muda. And, you know, people know who I am as a wrestler and people do want to see me be me. But I always thought that it would be great to have this extra gear that could be special that I could demonstrate every now and then and go to a different level. And Manic, for me, was always what, that's what I always wanted it to be. And so at the retro show this year, I kind of <laughs> fell in love with the character a little bit again. I forgot, you know, what it was like. You put on the old suit and it still fits and everything is so nice. And it's like, man, you kind of miss that feeling. And I think the idea now is there's a better mutual understanding that's there, that Manic is my extra gear. And I'm certain at some point that it will continue to be seen. So well, I'm not sure exactly. Not exactly sure what the plan is, but yes, uh, it is It is there and it is still very much mine and is still very much something that, that you guys will continue to see. I know that everybody really loved it when we did the, the special one night only. It was meant to be a return during the uh, Mania Week festivities, the TNA throwback show. It would have been manic again. Um, unfortunately, you know, because of COVID and everything, that, that didn't end up coming out, but um, yeah, there, there were, there were definitely plans in place and probably still plans in place to, uh, to continue Manic. Well, I, I think the extra gear, uh, thing and, and having Manic in the back pocket when you need to get to that, that extra level. Yeah. I can totally see that when you're running through Fulton to get at Ace Austin. So, I mean, I'm still booking, I'm still booking in my head. It's happening. <laughs> but, um, uh, a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. I want you to enjoy your Friday. But um, you talk about being a sports guy. You talk about the NCAA prep courses and all that kind of stuff and playing basketball right now. I'm a big basketball fan. I'm a diehard Raptor fan, and I didn't hop on the bandwagon. I was there from 95. I dealt with all the shit. All right. And I dealt with all the garbage. And now I can say – I, well, I, have, I have a Stoudemire jersey in my, in my closet right now. I, I remember the raps way back when with the Barney jerseys, man. It was such a great look. That I have a Charles Oakley jersey upstairs. So All I, right, there you go, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the NBA, because you're, once I found out you're a basketball guy, I'm like, okay, this is something I can talk shop with. With what's yeah. happening right now in the bubble and how everybody's doing that, my boys are 3-0. and They're perfect in the bubble right now. Uh, yeah. If you had to pick a finals for this year, if you had to pick an East and a West team going at it, where does TJP stand? Who are you going for? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that a lot of like NBA fans are probably overthinking it, you know, myself included. I mean, I, I, I feel like it'll be a Lakers bucks finals, but, um, I feel like the East is interesting because I, I wasn't sold on Toronto all year and it's like, they just won't stop being good. <laughs> like if I feel like, there's a chance that Toronto can unseat the Bucks throughout the playoffs. But I feel like the Lakers, barring any serious injuries, like Davis and LeBron in playoff mode, if Kuzma plays to his potential, and especially picking up J.R. Smith, you know, and Deion Waiters has been playing amazing since being picked up by the Lakers. So, you know, I thought we were going to miss Avery Bradley a lot, and so far, so good. Um, I think that there's a possibility that it could be LA Toronto. Um, I feel like Toronto would have an easier chance unseating the Bucks than anybody in the West unseating the Lakers. Cause I think in a seven game series, like LeBron in playoff mode, Anthony Davis in playoff mode, that's like, 
they were already hard enough for a lot of these teams to try and compete with in the regular season, and they still ended up in the first seed. But I think in the playoffs in a seven-game series, you just it, it's you just can't you can't beat a playoff LeBron playoff Davis you know together. Um, so I kind of feel like those are the two like my one A and one B match is is that I, I feel like everybody's overthinking it's probably going to be Bucks Lakers are just two strong number one seeds. It's been that way all year, but um, but I do think there's a chance that it could be LA. Toronto and I also think there's a chance it'd be Houston Toronto as well or Houston Milwaukee Houston um, you know one of those because I feel like Harden in my opinion Harden might be the best player in the NBA because when he's on he's on and it, you just can't stop him and Russell Westbrook is my favorite player so I'm a little biased but I, I feel like as an all-around player nobody's been better than Russ like over the last few years getting as much out of his team so like you couldn't ask for a, a, a greater fallback uh, reliability than Westbrook behind Harden. If Harden's having a, a rough night, Westbrook is going to make sure everybody's getting going. And I feel like in the playoffs, that'll make a, a big difference. I feel like I can't disagree with anything you've said because I feel the same way. Uh, but I do, I do see one thing different, and that's because I'm a Toronto boy till I die. I see Lakers, Raptors, finals. That's what I see. But hey, <laughs> like, much like you, I'm biased because I, Kyle I, Lowry's I'm my favorite player, and he's a pit bull, man. He's a little pit bull. <laughs> I'm honestly like a little fearful of that because we haven't beat you guys in like six years. So <laughs> we, hand, we, hand, we handed LA their loss, their first loss in the bubble. So and I, I don't, I out. don't want, I don't want to see you guys in a series. It's like, so because of that reason, I almost hope that it's Milwaukee LA, but it would be an interesting series. And Lowry is, is, is he's as tough as they come what was it the other night when he he got into a spat with somebody he just straight up said hey this is my room number if you want it like oh yeah, yeah. that was what the name? Aaron Gordon from Orlando yeah but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lowry is about his stuff man he's he's for real that's how we handle our business in Toronto we tough <laughs> that's all right do it TJ, thank you so much for the time. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. And I want to officially let you know now, you are a member of the Straight Talk family. You have my email. I have yours. Anytime you want to come back on the show, you're bored on a Tuesday night at 930. You hit me up and say, George, let's do it again. It would absolutely be an honor to speak with you, man. It was a pleasure thank today. Thank you very really much, was. George. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially being able to talk some NBA, too, here at the end, like, that's near and dear to my heart. I love it. Absolutely. So the episode's going to drop in September. So I will definitely right. hit you up. I'll tag you and everything so you see it. And um, I follow you across all social media platforms. If you want to shoot your boy a follow, I would appreciate it. Straight Talk Wrestling. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And underscore at Straight Talk on Twitter. And for anybody who's not following you because they're stupid idiots, please let them know where they can find you on the wonderful world of social media. Um, well, all my social, I don't have a whole lot of stuff. Um, I don't even have a Facebook of my own. So if you guys are following a Facebook, not that you should not follow it, but it's probably not, it's not going to be run by me because I don't have one. <laughs> so it's probably run by my, I think probably my manager or something like that, or it's a fan page, but, uh, my Instagram, my Twitter and my, and my Twitch channel are all at mega TJP. Um, they're all the same. Um, 
I, uh, I have gotten more active with my Twitch content recently. So, you know, definitely go to twitch.tv slash mega TJP. And, uh, come, if you're a gaming fan, especially come see, uh, like what I've been playing and, uh, the chat is always active. So it's usually ends up turning into a one or two hour Q and a session. So you, if you have a question for me, you can follow, you can find me on there or just meet other wrestling fans in a cool, safe, positive atmosphere and, and, uh, hang out and, uh, you can find me on those socials and then, if you want any I, I, like merch or anything like that, I consolidated consolidated everything on my pro wrestling tees, uh, and that's prowrestlingtees.com slash TJP. And that's pretty much it. Thank you very much for everybody who's listening, and thank you for uh, watching and for following. Because again, like I said in the beginning, without you guys, there's no me. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and we appreciate you. So now remember, we not, as soon as we hang up, you got to call Scott and say. I got a great idea for a storyline. Let's just get this going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to keep coming back to you for all my creative pitches. I'm 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 available. I'm available to you anytime you need, sir. No problem. All right. I found myself a, a full-time ghostwriter. Awesome. <laughs> yes. And I will. I will not take any cut. I will just to say that I helped you get there. <laughs> I am okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me, George. Absolutely. You go enjoy the rest of your Friday night. And that's it, guys. This one's in the can. As always, I'm your host, your boy. Peace, love, wrestling. We'll see all you guys next week. Take care, TJ. Thanks, brother. Hey, guys. It's your host, your boy, George McKay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call, 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay. Buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.